Hey guys, it's Joe, or Joe the Producer as you might know me, and I'll take some time to let you guys know about my show, The Joe Show. It's a podcast that I run with Marcus and Mason, and we talk about anything and everything except politics. You'll never know what we'll be talking about on The Joe Show. Sometimes we can get serious, and sometimes we can get goofy. But whatever we talk about, our main goal is to entertain you, the listener. So check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also hit us up on social media at Facebook at The Joe Show, Reddit at The Joe Show, Instagram at The underscore Joe Show 20, or we're on TikTok now at The Joe Show 2020. Check us out. It's a great show, and I love doing it. The Joe Show. It's a podcast. Louis man killed 12 to 20 women in just a span of two years. Videotapes reveal the torture and brutal deaths of these women. Some of these victims are unidentified to this day. This is the case of the videotape strangler and his 12 victims. Guys, you were listening to Code 187, and that was a hard... Let me just do this right quick. Yeah, we'll just have that there. Yes, you guys are listening to Code 187. I am Joe, your host, and I am joined with Sarah. And every day, we dive into a case where I I just react. Uh, Sarah, you want to tell me a little more about the show? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I always describe it as that we're like your true crime best friends. Um, we're not professionals, but we just sit down and talk about a true crime case and just talk about how crazy it is, really. Yes. You did an, I was listening to your ad that you do on my show, and I was like, yeah, I like that description, because I feel like I do a poor description. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we have your ad on there. And so, yes, this is just, we love talking about true crimes and everything like that. And so we're going to hop right into it and... I was being very professional to get the, you know, the intro and everything out the way. So now I'm going to go into my little me for the show. So what? (laughs) (laughs) What is this case? (laughs) Um, You you don't know nothing yet. It's. Uh, like it's a roller coaster. So, yep. I'm listening, listening to that description and I'm like. What happened? Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So, listeners. Well, remember when I said, like, I don't do serial killers, and then here I am. 
<laughs> doing kind of a serial killer. Sorry. We did BTK. Like, we, it's like when you drink alcohol, you can't break the seal. Because once you break the seal, everything's just going to start flowing then. We broke the seal on serial killers, and now it's flowing. Okay. So now you guys are yeah. going to get serial killers sprinkled in here now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, listeners, let's hop right in. Because I know, like, you, I am very interested to hear what this case is all about if you don't already know so sarah what's this case about well i will tell you before i jump in here that the first like 10 minutes you're gonna be like what but it'll all make sense i promise okay and it's crazy so let's dive in so a woman named katrina who lived in st louis missouri in 2014 was just doing kind of what I feel like we do, which is sit down and watch true crime documentaries. Uh huh. Yep. So I kind of picture her as like what I do, which is like <laughs> she's got her snackies, she's got her blanket, she's like diving in. <laughs> I don't do and I don't do any of that. <laughs> you don't do any of that. Okay, well I do. Um, <laughs> Do people actually do so, this? <laughs> what? Do people do this? I didn't know that was a thing. I thought it was just, I'm going to turn it on and do it. Okay, maybe it's just the, it's a ladies thing. You know, okay. Yeah, um. we get our snacks, we get our dogs, and we watch True Crime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a whole new world. <laughs> yes. Um. So, she's watching a special about a St. Louis killer. Mm-hmm known as the streetwalker strangler okay now you know i don't like how a lot of people view uh prostitution and sex work yep mm-hmm. so he goes under like all of these different names mm-hmm. i chose the one that isn't about sex work gotcha but this is what it was called was mm-hmm. the streetwalker strangler okay And these images are coming up of the crime and Katrina pauses and she looks around and she realizes that she's sitting in the crime scene. (laughs) You got me. (laughs) I'm all anxious. (laughs) So what would you do? Like if that happened to you? I would kind of, I would kind of flip out a little bit. I, I would get very anxious because you know just the horror of you're, <laughs> you're you're watching this and you're like these things are happening here. Like if I was in my house and found out somebody, um, a serial killer was in here and they murdered a bunch of people, I'd feel very different about my house. So, mm, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So poor Katrina, uh, she remembered when she rented the home that the landlord said that she could also have a table that was present in the home. Turns out that table was in many of the crime scene photos Ah. as well. Okay, listen, (laughs) did the landlord not know anything about this? We're getting there. Okay, all right. Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) The murderer recorded many of his killings and Katrina saw the basement in the photos Mm -hmm. um, with victims tied to these like poles that 
you know, a lot of us have in our basements. Mm -hmm. Um, so Katrina was in complete shock. Yeah. So she called the landlord and was like, I need to get out of my lease immediately. The landlord refused. Mm -hmm. Turns out the landlord is the killer's mother. So she knew, uh, uh, she probably knew the, it was a tough sell on renting this home. Yep. And she (laughs) refused (laughs) to let her out of her lease. Talking about a tough sell. I thought, listen, like my landlord, I called my landlord up one day and I said, Hey, we're thinking about moving. And she said, Oh no, 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 no. Can you wait? Cause it's getting ready to be winter. It's gonna be a tough sell. And I said, okay, <laughs> all right, we'll wait until March. And she said, you know what? Just for that, we're going to lower your rent a hundred dollars a month. And I was like, okay. So mm, she, the landlord should have told her, you know, like, listen, this is a hard sell. How about, and I know some of the stuff that's been in it, you know, what's been in it. So how about we, uh, we lower it down a couple hundred dollars, you know, three to $400. I don't know what her rent was, but in St. Louis, it's gotta be a lot. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would still even do it because uh, so the thing that really bugged me was the table Uh because you have a dining room table that had maybe blood on it Mm -hmm. we don't know and then your kids are sitting there at that table or you are Mm -mm. i didn't even think about that (laughs) your kids are sitting at this table here you are thinking you got a free table with the house and you're just praising the lord thank you jesus for this house and thank you for the table and then next thing you know you're walking you're watching a documentary and there's blood on it you're like my kids ate at that table like they had cereal my like if you if i had my kids there my kids would have spilt the cereal on the table and then slurped it up with their mouth you know uh, <laughs> there's blood in my snackies <laughs> okay so this is the only time, like, this is probably the only time you and I can actually say stuff like this on this show. If we said right. it anywhere else, people would be like, what are you guys <laughs> talking about? Right. <laughs> this is just the nature of our podcast, for yes. sure. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now you got me so, thinking. Katrina was mad, of course, mm-hmm. and she took it to the St. Louis Housing Authority. Yep. And they agreed to let her out of the lease at the end of the month. Gotcha. I'm sure that she could not get out of there quick enough because mm-hmm. I know I wouldn't. Yep. Um, but from all that I found, the house was sold in 2019. Gotcha. So it's to somebody else. We don't know if it's rented out now still or what, but the house is still there. How did they, how did they sell the house? Listen, I think it's one of those things. So they, you got to go through a whole bunch of process with housing, and I, I'm not a house expert, so I don't know. So there's got to be some type of record and something, you know, where they would have to tell people this is a house that murders were in. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a house expert. If we have any realtors out there who listen to this show, let us know, because I don't know. Well, from what I've heard. You have to disclose that up until a certain amount of years. Gotcha. So if it was long enough, um, but this wasn't 
Yeah. Uh, this was a pretty recent crime. Uh-huh. Like it wasn't a '70s crime or anything like that. Gotcha. Um, so I don't know. I mean, this is a little-known case. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was on TV, obviously, yep. but it's a pretty little-known case. Maybe they found someone who didn't know. Yep. Maybe they sold it for dirt cheap. Maybe it went into escrow because maybe she passed away. Yep. There's a lot of things that could have happened. And I don't know. It's one of those things, too. This is kind of one of the reasons why we even started this show is because there are a lot of murders and killings that go on that people don't know about, you know. Like, I never heard of this one. And so it is one of those things, like, if they're not, if you're not a true crimes person and you're not really into serial killings or true crimes, you're not watching this stuff. And so now you're, maybe you're a desperate person looking for a house. Maybe you're like my wife and I, where we want the first house that we get offered that's a good deal. We're taking it, you know? And they were like, well, these people are so anxious. You know, we, we won't tell them anything, you know? So, right. but still, man, you should still let them know. Because probably getting ahead of myself. What if the murderer's still alive and out of jail, you know? We're going to get there. Mm-hmm. See? <laughs> <laughs> see, I always do that. But see, I know it now, so I just kind of put a hit there. Okay. <laughs> okay, so our murderer is a 36-year-old named Murray Travis. <sighs> Why are they always got to be related? It's kind of some way in my life. Jesus. I know. <laughs> you did this on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I type in certain keywords. <laughs> yeah. Just like, does it have to do anything with my co-host? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um, so Murray was a black man. Um, we talked about that being unusual for serial killers as well. Yes. Um, but he was described as a super angry man. Yes. Which... No killer, I feel like, is ever described like that. I feel like they're, oh, this was a normal guy. He was really nice. Mm-hmm. Everything about this guy was like he was angry and horrible and terrible. Yep. Mm-hmm. They, they, they even have one of those, they have one of those things where, because that's what happened to a lot of serial killers. It'll be like, uh, um, even though even though he was a killer, he was beloved by his neighbors and friends you know because they didn't know anything probably not with this guy they were just like he was big he was black and he was scary and mad <laughs> like yeah and, <laughs> and also too i would like to point out too this is in st louis you know and st louis is kind of an urban area which is kind of you know there's a lot of black people in st louis so even though him even though murray is uh diamond nah, is the diamond in the rough you know the needle no needle in the haystack yeah even though he's the needle in the haystack it, it kind of makes sense with his with this area that he's in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, there's another serial killer that I listened to, or another serial killer. He was out in um, L.A., and then there's another one in New York. You know, so you've kind of got those urban areas where there might be black people there. So for this particular area, I don't think it's unusual. But just as a serial killer as a whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know too many. <laughs> yeah, and he also preyed on black women, mm-hmm. so that kind of fits a lot of serial killers go after their own race, which is interesting. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but everything described him as just being like a complete dick. <laughs> yep, yep. Listen, we we even have, 
you can be even racist or have racial <laughs> biases when people are murdered. Listen, all I don't, with all these murderers that we've ever talked about in this show, I don't see color. You know what I see? Well, I guess I do see color because most of them are white. But I, I don't see color. What I see is a murderer, a very disgusting person who did a very awful thing. Um, right. Yes. Yeah, and so since he was about 14 years old, he fantasized about killing. Oh. He, no, what what were you thinking? I was going to say, he was 14 when he did it? No. <laughs> okay, you said <laughs> since he, he was 14. But he wanted to. Okay, He gotcha. was very violent. Um, as a teen, he killed, like, pests yep. and, like, rats and stuff, and then his neighbor's dog as well. Mm-hmm. So we have this violence starting super young. Yep. Um. And then he went to college as a young man and developed a 300-a-day coke and crack habit on top of it. Hmm. Um, that took over control of his life. Yep. He dropped out of school. He started robbing shoe stores. Mm-hmm. Um, he would pay sex workers for, like, quote-unquote, rough sex. Yep. Um, which he hid his dark side through that yes Mm -hmm. um so after spending some time in jail for robberies murray was freed on parole and moved into a home owned by his mother okay and there he worked as a hotel waiter so we're kind of at a pause in the story do you want to take a break or do you want me to keep going let's take a break because i just had the thing zoom is stupid so we've had Zoom come up and tell me I got 10 minutes. So, guys, we're going to be back with more of this story. I don't know if we're going to play an ad or anything. You know, we'll be back after these messages. It's a code one. And we are back to the second half of Code 187, where Sarah's going to continue telling us about this messed up story that I'm really interested in. (laughs) So, let's turn this music off and hop right back in. Okay, you ready, Sarah? All right. Go, go, go. I'm ready. <laughs> Take Listen, a deep breath. We're all got me all <laughs> anxious. I'm like, I feel it right here in my my stomach. You know, we talked about all the landlord and everything. I'm just like, <sighs> I feel like I'm watching a suspenseful movie. <laughs> it's weird being on this end and knowing what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then just dangling it in front of all you guys. It's fun. Yeah, you are the creators of the movies or book or something, and we're all sitting here just like, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> so much fun. Um, okay. So in um, 2002, a reporter named Bill Smith wrote a profile of a murder victim in the area. Okay. Five days later, this Bill guy received an anonymous letter claiming credit for 17 murders. Huh. Following the letter was a map 
of like West Alton, which I guess is a part of St. Louis, gotcha. um, marked with an X to point out where a body could be located. Okay. He quickly turned it over to the police who found the remains were just where this letter said they would be. Hmm. So now you have someone confessing, but we're not sure yet who it is. Gotcha. So this was in 2002. Okay. Um, So technology wasn't like perfect, which I guess it's still not, but um, (laughs) it's a lot better than 2002. Um, (laughs) I saw a Game Boy in 2002. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So police somehow tracked um, a person that looked up this location 10 times on the day in question. From there, they got an IP address and tracked it to Murray. Gotcha. So we got him. Um, on June 7, 2002, an arrest and search warrant for Murray was issued. They believed they had DNA evidence, tire tracks uh, linking Murray to the crime. He could only be officially charged in the murder of two victims. Okay. However, police believe he had killed 10 or more. Yes. Mm-hmm. At this time, they're like, okay, maybe he's killed like, well, he confessed to what, 14? Mm-hmm. And they thought, we don't know if he's lying. We don't know if, you know, what's going on here. Yep. So right now they're like, he can be charged with two. We'll get him for two. Yeah. And they, the murders are always kind of, they're always kind of put into that. They're still having fun with the police, you know. They're like, <laughs> I've confessed to two, but they don't know about mm-hmm. the other ones, you know. So that's just, they're sick. This is, this, right. is a, this guy is sick and angry. <laughs> this guy is definitely one of the most, I don't know. He just, he's not dumb like BTK. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. He's just pure evil. Yes. Um, yeah. It's hard to say about that. You know, I'm a black guy. And, uh. <laughs> named Murray. <laughs> yeah, named Murray. Jeez, I, you know, I still got faith that he could still do good. No, I don't. No, not at all. <laughs> Maybe I'll change my mind after I hear more about him. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, Murray was locked in a super maximum security jail sale and he's put on suicide watch, uh, with a guard outside his door at all times. But (laughs) while a one hour shower break, the one time of the day that the guard did not have direct eyes on him, he hung himself. Uh So there's not much he can do to redeem himself because he's gone now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But he used a thin rope he had braided from a torn up sheet. Uh huh. Um, and then he also fastened his hands behind his back, which gotcha. is weird for a suicide. Yeah. Huh. Yep. So he took care of our problem, I guess. But now we have to go back and see <laughs> what all he did without him confessing. Uh huh. Which is super hard. Yeah. Now we're going to have to do some Sherlock Holmes stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and that's just. That's one of those things where it's one of those things I think most murderers and serial killers would love to do. They want to commit their crimes and they not really have to pay for them. And if they do have to pay for them, they want to do it themselves. And uh, 
he so in his mind he won you know and i know it's super frustrating for the police because they're like we've got this guy we're gonna start we're start shaking him down and we're gonna figure out all this stuff and he's like nope so yeah and i think it's kind of cowardly too because you have to face these families yes. of these victims and for him just to be like nope i'm gonna dip and not you know take responsibility is just horrible yes mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't like him anymore I don't, I don't think he's dead. No rest in peace. No nothing. You know. Yeah. He, psh, still my man. <laughs> <laughs> um. So as police started searching through Murray's house, they found the horrific pattern that became Murray's life. Uh-huh. Beginning in 2000, um, Murray Travis lured sex workers from the St. Louis area into his home. Okay. It is believed that most, if not all, of these women were addicted in some way. Yep. Um, and Murray would use this as a ruse. Mm-hmm. So he would say, like, come with me, I'll give you drugs, or we'll share drugs, or whatever. Yeah. Um, he often chose sex workers. Um, one of our most, like, vulnerable populations, um, because some of them are addicted or can't control the situation they're in and then they're just vulnerable to a lot of this stuff yes and the police won't help them because they're sex workers so Mm -hmm. they're just in a big old pickle that cannot be helped and murray knew that um and it's really sad that he preyed upon that Mm -hmm. um so once in his home like the police they found videotapes of Murray just torturing and abusing these victims. Um, One horrible thing he did was berate the victims on camera about being sex workers, about being addicts. Um, He told them they were horrible mothers and terrible people, all while abusing them sexually, physically, emotionally. I mean, it's coming from all sides. And that's a tell us all the time. They they do that all the time. Like I've, <clears throat> I've heard where uh, there were a bunch of serial killers. They were just these God-fearing serial killers, and they were punishing these women for being sex workers while having sex with them. You know, right. Kind of a deal. And uh, it just blows your mind. How are you going to play God or you know try to say you're a soldier of God, and then you're going to take lives? And while you're committing the the act, I don't know. I just think it's stupid. You know? Yeah, I, it definitely is. It's very hypocritical. Yes. Um, and he, it's it's kind of a slap in the face again to these women and their families because this is the last footage they have, yep. and it's just berating them on how they're horrible people. Yep. And this was the last moments of these victims' lives, and they're meant to feel bad, and it's just horrible. Yep. Mm. So um, he would sometimes keep these women in his house for days. Um, He would make them do drugs to kind of make them stay there. He would physically abuse them and then strangle them to death. Um, He is shown in one videotape he titled first kill in the video he strangles a woman with a belt until she passes out on the floor 
Then the killer says, this is my first kill. Number one, first kill was 19 years old, name, and then I don't know. I don't give a F. So he was basically saying, I don't know this person's name. I don't care who they are. Just that he wanted to kill them. And with most of his killings, they were, uh, they were strangling, right? Mm-hmm. So this guy knew how to cut off airwaves. So my thing is, I don't care if the dude was in a shower. I don't care what. You don't leave somebody who knows how to cut off somebody's uh, airwaves alone because he's an expert at that he's going to figure out a way to hang himself for him to die yeah hell no i just think right stupid on the guard there's part. a lot of um people in prison who die on suicide watch unfortunately yep. mm-hmm. um they just find ways they know the patterns yep. because they have nothing else better to do yep <sighs> why did um this, where, yeah where did we get a, why did we get away from straight jackets like straight jackets, <laughs> maybe you putting them on, like on a leash or something. Like I'm half serious about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So he was shown in that videotape, and the police said that they released that, but then there was other ones they said were too much torture that they will give you nightmares. We're not going to release it. So it was pretty bad what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, police found what could only be called as a torture chamber in the basement of Murray's house. Mm-hmm. One of the most horrific things that they found was victims' blood splatter okay. would be on the walls. So he would paint over it. Gotcha. And then it would happen again. Yeah. And so he would paint over it. And then when it happened again. And so when the police went in, there was like this kill blood paint pattern that just happened over and over and over again. And just to find all this out, like the tenant, to find all this out. And then the person that whoever's living there now, like if you listen to this episode (laughs) or you watch the documentary or on it, just to imagine like, Oh my gosh, this happened in this house. Um, like now that you talk about a haunted house, that place was really haunted. Yeah, and it's it's gross. Like yeah. the fact that he thought so little of this blood just to be like, okay, well, I'm just gonna paint over it. Yeah, did you wait till it dried, or did you have paint on hand? <laughs> like, I don't know. I just to, just to be sitting. I don't know. I would like it's to, gross. Yeah, I would like to sit. I don't want to say I want to be a fly on the wall when they're doing this, because. <laughs> but sometimes you just want to know, like, what was going through your head? You know, I don't know. Right. So police put together a timeline and a list of names of victims. So here are the victims. Okay. <clears throat> July thirty first, two thousand was Mary Shields. She was 61, uh, found in East St. Louis. March 24th, 2020, or 2001, uh, Cassandra F. Walker. She was 19, found in Washington Park, Illinois. In April 2001, a woman was found in the East St. Louis area who barely survived an attack. 
Uh, police believe that she was one of Murray's victims. Uh, she was found beaten so badly that she didn't remember what happened because she had such severe brain damage. Mm. Um, she even had to be put in a nursing home afterwards because she could not care for herself. Mm -hmm. um, this victim is believed to be 34-year-old Alyssa Greenwade, found in Washington Park, Illinois. Then there is May 15th, 2001, Teresa Wilson, 36, found in West Alton, Missouri. May 30th, 2001, Betty James, 46, found in St. Louis. They matched higher tracks on her legs to Murray's car. Gotcha. He had ran her over after the attack. Mm -hmm. Um, June 29th, 2001, Verna Thompson, 36, found in West Alton, Missouri. August 25th, 2001, um, Yvonne Cruz, she's 50, found in East St. Louis. October 8th, 2001, Brenda Beasley, 33, found in East St. Louis, Illinois. So these are the identified victims. Gotcha. Now, do you know East St. Louis, if you've never been to East St. Louis, one, it is one of the worst cities in all of the United States. Um, right. Then you get Washington Park, Illinois. Um, there are a lot of strip clubs in, that, in both those areas. Because okay. I remember back in the day, <laughs> my parents were like, no, 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 you don't go in those areas. You know, every time we come down to St. Louis. And so it's just very, it just, it fits the profile. You know, I don't know about West Alton and some of the other places, but, you know, St. Louis, just in those particular areas, you said Washington Park, Illinois, I was like, uh, that was one of the places I wasn't supposed to go. Uh, and then East St. Louis, they had some around there. So it made sense that he would have it around there. And the police, were they not connecting these cases? I mean, it's 2000 and it's 2001. You know, I 2001, can 2001, 2002, yeah. Yeah, I can understand this back in, you know, the 40s, you know, oh, this is just a murder, you know, and we don't deal with serial killers. But, you know, we've been dealing with serial killers since the 60s, 70s. You know, you all these murders were popping up the same year close to each other. You didn't connect them at all. What is the East St. Louis and state police doing Washington, Illinois police. What are these guys doing? Were they just like, unless there was somebody on the inside? <laughs> well, I will tell you, um, looking at this case, it was incredibly sad because what I have written down is all that there is. Yeah. There's not a lot of pictures. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's hardly any pictures, honestly. There's pictures of Murray. There's mm -hmm. not pictures of these victims. Mm -hmm. Um, they're black, they're sex workers, they're on the bad part of town, Yep. near strip clubs. Police, frankly, did not care. Yep. Mm -hmm. If it was me or a white, white women going missing like this, yep. oh my gosh, it would yep. be like, they oh, there's have, a serial killer. Yep, they would have all the evidence on, you know, all the evidence for, for you and the victims and stuff like that. I... I I just think it's really crazy. Like, we've talked about this before. They're black. Not only are they black, but now they're 
you know, they're uh, sex workers. So, yeah, the police really didn't care about anything going on. But still, it's a serial killer. I just don't. Right. I don't get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And know. a lot of these are older women, too. Mm-hmm. Um, police yep. don't care about that. So they just fell right in that where it was like no one cared at all. And they probably took too long, too. I mean, uh, because or they probably took too long to try to get to Murray because, like we said, black men aren't usually serial killers. So that maybe they were looking for him, you know, and then the right. case is, and maybe the case went cold for a while. And then they started figuring out all this stuff, you know, over time. So maybe they did try to do their job. But, I mean, you also got to think about it, too. Not too many people are, are going to be reporting about uh, reporting missing sex workers, you know, it's probably right. going to be something that was big in the community, the sex working uh, communities, but not on a broader scale. It's just like, oh, this lady went missing, you know. Nobody's really going to think anything of it. Um, there was yeah. one murder I listened to where they were they were on high alert because a lot of sex workers, but they, this was in a, a city and they were popping up all over the city, you know. So, and there was even like a, a coalition of sex workers that went to the courts and they had all this evidence on this guy and they all, they, I mean, there were some of these sex workers even pointed this guy out and they still lost because Gosh. of who they, of their occupation. <clears throat> so, right. It's just really crazy. And when I researched this case, one of the things I was like, it jumped out to me because I was like, I have to talk about it. Mm-hmm was the fact that there are all of these Jane Doe's. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this list of names who, well, of situations, not even names, um, of women who have yet to be identified even. Yep. So these are probably women who were black sex workers in St. Louis and people abandoned them their families aren't looking for them Mm -hmm. and the community isn't looking for them and it's like if i could put out at least a description yep and let you guys kind of like if you are in the st louis area if you knew someone back then that was yep you could identify these people and bring a name at least yep Mm -hmm. um to who these are so i'm going to talk about the jane does okay so um, this is my call out to you guys. Please listen closely um, to these descriptions. Um, they're in the Illinois or Missouri area. Um, so January 30th, 2002, unidentified victim uh, found near, I'm going to butcher this name of this town, Massacusta, Illinois. No idea. Um, It's 33 minutes from St. Louis, uh, believed to be an African-American female, approximately 20 to 30 years. Um, She had a lot of rings on her hands. Um, She had a black colored sleeveless one piece Jason Matthews brand jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. Uh, The autopsy could not determine the cause of death, but it is believed that she had been deceased for several months before they found her. Mm -hmm. March 11th, 2002, an identified victim near Highland, Illinois. This is about 40 minutes from St. Louis. Skeletal remains of a black female 
5.1 to 5.6. There's no estimate of weight and approximate age is 24 to 30. Um, It is believed the remains had been in this location for four to six months. The skeletal remains were almost completely intact. Um, She had gray colored shorts on um, and a flannel Tommy Hilfiger figure uh, button-down man's shirt. Um, she also had a lot of jewelry on. So that's kind of interesting um, thing to point out. Yes. Is and I will put the full list of like everything they know in the description below, box below. But knowing women in that era that wore a lot of like costume jewelry, yeah. um, if that stands out to anyone, that kind of was a lot of these victims' profile. Mm-hmm. Um, so March 28th, 2002, um, unidentified victim in Columbia, Illinois, 30 minutes from St. Louis. Um, she had a green shirt with a large M um, on it. And she had, this shirt is an adult extra large and khaki colored pants. Um, African-American, 30 to 50 years old, they believe. Um, not much. It says the belief she had children um, and a scar across her forehead. <sighs> I just, I hate like <laughs> that these are all like nameless people and the list just keeps growing. Yep. And, this guy, oh my gosh. And that's one of the reasons why, I don't know if you guys notice what happens with Code 187, is we don't really talk about serial killers too much. We talk about the victims because the victims aren't the ones that are being talked about. And so mm-hmm. for somebody like Sarah, it's got to be really frustrating because that's what you do. You figure out about the victims. You figure out about their lives, and then you bring them to us so we can know more about them, and you can't right now. Right. nobody knows anything. Yeah, and I went on a hunt (laughs) because I was like, I'm going to give our listeners as much to go on as I can. Mm -hmm. And with it being 2002, it being people that aren't being looked for, you're just, there's just nothing. I mean, like this next one, it says May 25th, 2002, unidentified victim in West Walton. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes from St. Louis. Uh, that's it. Yep. And it's like, how am I supposed to tell you guys to look for these victims when there's nothing about them? Well, they probably thought nobody, they didn't think anybody was going to probably look for them. You know, these are prostitutes. They are doing something that's illegal, you know, that it's looked down upon. So nobody's going to look for them. So we're just going to, we're going to do our job. We're going to, put their information down as much as we know and if we do have any more information we're just going to do the bare minimum because nobody cares you know yeah and it's super sad and interesting too because all of this was on film yes Mm -hmm. that's that's what's baffling to me like why haven't they released a lot of pictures like if you don't know who a victim is like we talked about it in what like the last episode or last couple episodes where Mm -hmm. you can do like a um a warrant about someone's ID or whatever. Yep. So mm-hmm. they could at least put out pictures of these victims mm-hmm. 
that does a lot. Yes, it um, does. Especially now, like, the internet will take oh, it yeah. and they will find who it is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I'm just angry. This case just makes me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get, though, for making us angry, confused, and frustrated, and sad on every week. <laughs> this is my payback. <laughs> um, so, like I said, I will put all of this information and also the Columbia Police Department's number mm-hmm. in the description box. Um, they believe that at least one of them had children out there. Yes. So you could be a child um, yep. or a family member of these people. Mm-hmm. And if you are just at the least a true crime person, like help us because yeah. this goes so far. Mm-hmm. It goes, yeah. I mean, and this is just what they found, right? This is, they don't, it could be more, you know? Right. We don't even know, especially at the rate that he was doing it. You know, he was going, 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 going. So. And it could be a different killer. Yep. I mean, he confessed to 14. These are all in the area. Yes, they fit the victim profile to a T. Um, but how many other killers victim profile is sex workers? Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it all the time. Yep. Um, so it, it's sad because he only really, they only got him for two. Yep. The rest of all of these are just out there they're mm-hmm. just killed and no one knows their names no one knows who what happened it's and just it's enraging and i bet you the only reason they know that too is because they really did a deep dive on those two because they had to convict them you know yep and i mean they were just like yeah we're gonna get this guy behind bars that's it oh what about the other what about the other 12 no you gotta worry about it you have to worry about it because we got him now he's gonna serve justice you know, and then after he died, I bet you nobody even cared about that afterwards. You know, the killer's dead, the murderer's dead. We don't care about any of his victims anymore. It's crazy how you get forgotten after you die. You know. Mhm. Mm. But he should definitely pay for all of these. Oh yeah, I mean, he, he's going. <laughs> he's he should probably go through, you know, twelve different types of hell. right yes and there could be a lot more too oh yeah so that we don't even know about because serial killers do that like mm, that's why he probably committed suicide because uh guilt yeah you know Mm. judas and the 12 pieces of silver Mm. (laughs) right i don't know what that is but (laughs) sure (laughs) (laughs) all right real quick so Judas Iscariot is the person that uh, betrayed Jesus in the Bible. And, oh, okay. And then he felt so guilty, he killed himself. Hung himself, hmm. actually. I, that just, you can tell I'm super religious. <laughs> I had no idea what that was. <laughs> well, that just came to me. I mean, you don't even have to be super religious. Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson did that. Mm. Early 2000s. Maybe about the same time as this, but yeah. Check right. that movie out. So. So that is the unfortunate, very infuriating <laughs> videotape strangler and his 12, but maybe more victims. Oh, we know it's more. Because, I mean, there's so right. many serial killers out there. What do they do? They, uh, I don't know. This is just the game they like to play. 
you know, mm-hmm. they're going to go out, do their little mischievous killings, and then and then it's like, yeah, they don't know about the rest of them. So I think that. Hope that made sense. I'm super tired. I'm like. <laughs> And after this case, I hate everything. So we might just end it here. That's it. <laughs> well then, Sarah, where can people find us on social media? Literally everywhere. Um, <laughs> I will put it down below because it's easier for me. But we are Code 187, so just search us. Hopefully we come up. That works yeah. for me. And... You know what? For right now, I'm Joe. And I'm Sarah. And we will see you guys next time on Code 187.